If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. I have to share something with you guys. So, uh... Besides your STDs? No, no, no. I've already shared that with you guys. So, uh... Thank you for that. No, I, uh, recently I just met somebody um, at Orange Theory. She came in. It was her, her first day taking a class. And uh, anytime it's their first day, I try and spend a little bit of time with them afterwards or before the class just to kind of find out their fitness goals, what they're trying to do. So th- this girl, her, her name's Julie, a uh, really nice, nice lady. Um, I met her uh, before I taught the class and she kind of gave me her backstory and, and what she's been doing, going through fitness wise. And afterwards I said, Oh, you know what? You got to, you got to listen to my uh, podcast. I said, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And I kind of gave her like a quick rundown on it. Well, now I've been seeing her in my classes and, uh, she's been, she's been binge listening, you know, she started and I said, start from the beginning, listen from the beginning. I said, in fact, I think episode one is women's fitness myths. And I said, it'll be a great one for you because based off of what some of the stuff she was sharing with me that people have been telling her and stuff like that. She's like, I was like, you know what? Just go, go listen to the podcast and everything. And then, and then, you know, get back to me. So she inboxed me and we've been communicating back and forth. She absolutely loves the show. I think she's like on episode 40 or something now as she's working her, her way up through it. And she says, uh, I have a quite, uh, quite the funny story to share with you. I was going to tell you after class this morning, but I had to rush to work. I was kicked out of a get healthy. It was a get healthy Facebook group last night for sharing information. I learned from you guys about <laughs> protein shakes. She says they all drink them every day. It's their go-to breakfast and afternoon snack. I was kindly explaining how I learned from you guys that they're incredibly processed and have artificial sweeteners, et cetera, et cetera. And they got pissed. Four girls attacked me about saying I didn't know what I was talking about and that they were, they were, uh, they've lost all this weight because of protein shakes. I simply responded by telling them they could smoke crack every day and lose weight, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. Oh, she is a mind pump listener. <laughs> yes. And then they deleted me from the group. Oh, my God. It's, oh. it's, you know what's weird? I thought that was epic. Why is fitness Dude. like that? Fitness is like this. Like you bring up something that's different. Yeah. Or that's a different, you know, like, hey, hey, check this out. This it's, is actually, and people get pissed. Like you just oh, super defensive, like you called out the religion. Well, yeah. I, my exact response was, or was laugh out loud. People and their dogma. Yeah. You know, the, the, you get, you get stuck in this dogma and you just can't, people cannot well, get especially away. if that's the formula that they did see some change. And really it's just the fact that they probably cut down their calories and moved a bit more, but now their association with this process is the protein shakes it's so funny like okay i'm gonna take a 150 calorie shake and that's gonna make me lose weight no <laughs> right no sorry that you just defied the the second law of uh, thermodynamics <laughs> right you need to go if that's the case you just broke the freaking you just broke the universe well it goes Whoa. right back to all the beautiful marketing that we are we always run into which is you know protein shakes there's always there's always a label on it with some super thin girl or some buff dude and it's always geared towards you know building muscle or burning fat like it's like protein that burns fat or some shit like this is why yeah. i wish this is one of the reasons why i wish steroids were legal because because then the advertising would be true. They'd have a be- they'd have a before and after. You know what I mean? And you'd be like, "Fuck that guy!" Like, Whoa, it works. He yes. gained like twenty okay. pounds of muscle, yeah. and I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a real picture. It should actually <laughs> just a was really on- buff syringe." Yeah, he yeah. went on some juice, and that's what happened. Yeah. Unlike this other stuff, no. unbelievable, gentlemen. Uh, how's your sleep been lately? Mine's been good. Yeah, has it? Yeah, just recently. I'm, I'm finally the night terrors. Are you finally sleeping better now, Adam? Yeah, I'm. I'm getting there. You know, it's. Are been... you doing what I told you? Where you do the the little handy before you go to sleep? Mm. No, no. Did I... you help him with that? So? No, huh? no, no, no. Mm. Huh? What? 
I, uh, you know, I've been noticing some things on, uh, you know, we've been running this ketogenic diet for a while now and some things I like, some things I don't like, uh, some of the things I really like. So some of the things that I will talk that I enjoy about it, I do notice my sleep. Um, I do, I tend to sleep better. Mm. Uh, I, I don't have cravings. That's really fascinating to me right now. Ketones are appetite suppressant. Dude. Yeah, okay. So, and, and we know we've talked about this before the, the big joke when, when Sal originally started, uh, doing ketogenic was I told him, I said, bro, fuck off. I love carbs. I eat 400, <laughs> 400 grams of carbs plus a day. Um, and maintain the body fat that I want to. And I love carbs. So in my, it was, head- it was a comp, it was basically a competition of who has better sales skills. Sal or Adam? Oh no! Oh, and <laughs> Adam lost here on this one <laughs> today. Uh, oh, hold so, on, hold on. Let me bask in it for a second. Yeah, oh, you can let Doug, Doug could repeat that three times for you. <laughs> no, there. Doug, could you wear that on a loop, please, yeah. for him? Uh, yeah, feed that Backtrack. ego. <laughs> no, so I um, it, no. It, what it, what's so fascinating to me? This is the part I, I have to be honest, and I have to say that um, God, I had to listen to our own advice. And how many times has this happened to us? And this is how this show has been created, how it's been evolved, is. You know, I that came out of my mouth. There's no way I'm giving carbs up. I absolutely love carbs. I eat 400 grams of carbs a day. That would, I, I, you're silly. If you want to do this ketogenic, you know, no carbs, all fat type of deal, that just sounds ridiculous to me and no fun. Well, when when I really start to look outside, right, and, and pull myself out of that and listen to what I'm saying when I'm saying that, I sound like a fucking drug addict. You know, I sound like somebody who's addicted to something that is thinking like, you're crazy. There's no way I'm kicking this habit. I absolutely love it. It gives me this all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. Okay. I owe it to myself, which I've always been this type of person that I've never had. I've never had any sort of addiction problems in my life. I've never battled any of that. Anytime I've ever experimented or tried things, I've always had the self-discipline to be able to recognize or uh, notice if it's getting something that's becoming a habit and pulling myself out. Well, we don't really think about this, but you know, why don't we ever think about that with food? Why don't we ever look at it like that? And you know, I had to ask myself that, like, do I have somewhat of an addiction to these carbohydrates? Do I feel like I need to have this? Like, so that that being said, that was what really motivated me more than anything else to say, all right, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to be really disciplined on it and see how I feel and really be uh, objective about it and, and honest with myself. And when I first started doing it, I noticed uh, my balances weren't off. I wasn't tracking. I was just simply, okay, I'm going to stay away from carbs completely and uh, you know, eat eat fat uh, more often. And what I was doing was I was eating you know fattier meats, and I was staying away from carbs. But what was happening to me was I was still uh, I was still eating lower lower calories. I was still eating uh, a high amount of protein, and my fats were nowhere near high enough. That's the thing that a lot of people screw up on is that they just don't eat enough fats. And and then I, and at first I thought, oh, this isn't for me, you know, because I, I what I felt it reminded me of what it felt like when I'm on low carb depleting for a show. And that, you know, I know what that feels like. I don't want to live on a regular basis like that. That's mm-hmm. miserable. So, uh, you know, my first initial, uh, you know, I was like, oh, this is this is terrible. And then, well, you know what? I haven't really tracked. Let me see my ratios. And then I realized I was only getting about 150 to 200 grams of fat, which that's nowhere. It's like that was like a one to one from protein to fat. And it's not supposed to be that way. It's, you know, the ratio should be much higher of fats than than proteins. And my protein should be at more of a moderate level uh, than even close to a one to one. So I was like, man, I actually have to like actively go after fats. Like I got to add like two avocados to a meal. I got to put olive oil on something. I got to eat just straight nuts for, you know, I had to really mm. uh, act or put put my, my butter and heavy whipping cream in my coffee and doing these things uh, that 
I had never done before where I was purposely going after all these fats. Once I started doing that, um, I was extremely fascinated uh, by what I felt. Uh, I haven't had over 50 grams. I haven't had over 25 to 50 grams of carbs since our little mishap at our weekend. Other than that, I've been running this extremely high fat diet and my workouts are fine. My pumps are, my pumps are great. Uh, my energy levels. And most of all, I noticed that I don't crave these foods. We have a bag of cookies that have been in here for almost a week. I got a box of junior mints in my house. I have ice cream in my freezer. That shit would never last a day. Because if I eat 400 grams of carbs, I would just like a like a IFYM fucker. I would go like, well, I'll fit two or three of those suckers in there, you know, and I would justify. <laughs> but you but have no craving. I don't. It's a very strange phenomenon. And it's yeah. important to know. It's funny because we've been sold so hard. And again, I want to be, I want to clarify if you're listening to this right now, we are not ketogenic diet is not yes, the official I'm glad, I'm glad. diet of mind pump. Not at all. We're not. I won't be on it long. I'll tell you that right now. I'm just we're fascinated not, we're not what I'm promoting about it. We're not saying it's a th- thing to do. For some people, it's excellent. I'm one of those people. I'll probably never go off it. I feel fantastic yeah. on it. Some people don't, which is fine. Nonetheless, there are some very interesting effects from it. One of them is sleep. A lot of people notice they sleep really good. Inflammation is a big one. People mm-hmm. have less inflammation on it. I definitely do, and it's especially when you bring your carbs way down and bring the fats way up. Um, but here's the thing, like we've been conditioned to believe that we need to have so much protein all the time, especially in the fitness industry, that we have all these protein supplements and it never becomes an issue to get enough protein because we take protein powders and we're always eating the protein with every meal. Uh, when, when you're eating ketogenic diet, just reverse that into fat. Think to yourself like, okay, the, the predominant percentage of my calories is going to come from fats. Mm. So you have to attack it with the same type of, uh, you know, focus that you would normally with protein. Whereas before I'd always be like, I need to have protein with every meal. Now I'm thinking I need to have my fats and then my proteins are secondary. So I'll have whole meals that are, you know, 12 grams of protein, but like 60 grams of fat. So it's just the reverse. And it's just, if you do it right, uh, if you're going to try it, do it right. Um, and then see if it's for you. Otherwise, uh, if you're not doing it right and you're doing like your typical bodybuilding low carb diet, you're just going to feel like shit and you'll think it's the keto's fault. Yeah. But, but it well, might and that's not be. The, the real point is that you're trying it out, right? And that, and that that's the biggest thing that we're trying to make sure that uh, everybody understands that um, there's things that come across that have like valid science behind it and uh, people have had, you know, good result from it and, and they've been able to. Um, adapt to these things. And so why not experiment with that? Why not challenge yourself just like um, going through a new type of a a workout routine? Why not challenge yourself to give it a try and see what it does to your body and and pay attention, respond, take notes and uh, take that with you going forward? Because then you can always have that as another go-to tool. Well, it's interesting. It keeps me, I'm very, very, uh, I'm stricter now on this type of eating than I would be on other types of eating where I have more carbohydrates. Mainly because of the appetite suppressant effects. I have zero cravings for any type of sugar. Zero. Now, I know for a fact, because I've done this before, if I have some sugar. I was just going to, this was going to be my, what I was going to say, the negative stuff that I've noticed about it. Yeah. If I have some sugar, it's going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to, have a ridiculous like this craving for sugar will go through the roof and i've done it before that happened you over the weekend right you had a little bit and it was like and so that's that this is the part that and i and it was like dairy queen it's yeah no what's what was very difficult for me was the minute that i introduced any anything like that as soon as i shot over that 50 gram mark, it was like that was like the sweet spot once 50 grams of carbs hit me especially at one sitting you know if i, I had like a croissant or some shit you know and uh once that hits me it's it, from then on that's all i wanted all day long and so i thought so here, that's where um, 
you got to be careful. And where I'm not a huge fan of it is because of those reasons. You got to be somebody like probably like a Sal who really it's very conducive to your lifestyle. You like it. It works well for you. You enjoy it. You feel great. You notice that you don't have cravings. You rarely are ever going to be around situations where you're going to want carbs or be around it. Not a big deal. Um, so that's, that's the thing that you got to watch out for because that's what I noticed. Like, okay, so when I normally eat 400 grams of carbs and I go a little over a little under on a day, it's, it's not as much of a fluctuation where I, if I go from never, ever really eating them cause I'm on ketogenic, then all of a sudden I introduce a, you know, a little bit of them. It's, it's hard to, to shut the valve. Oh off. dude, your brain, mm. your brain goes into like, yeah. it's because you've identified, your brain has now identified that you're around this very quick, easy source mm-hmm. of energy. And it's going to turn its its gears into high gear to get you to eat more. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, I've noticed it. If I stay away from them, I'm completely fine. As soon as I start eating them, I binge. Yeah, it's it, it reminds me when you look, you think of like an addict. When you think of that's why I use that analogy. You start to feel that that, that yeah, like rush. An, an addict with a drug or you know cigarettes or whatever it is. I mean, they're they're going so good without having any of it, and then when they decide, oh, I just let me have a little smoke or let me try a little bit and. All of a sudden, then the cravings come through the roof. Yeah, and you know, uh, on this uh, because Twinkies. because we're on the topic, um, I read an interesting article by some researchers who postulated, um, and they made a very compelling case for uh, the fact that maybe the keto the, the system of of uh, making ketones in the body and using ketones for energy, they think, and they have lots of evidence to to back it up, that that's the original energy source that humans ran off of. And we later developed an mm. evolutionary secondary source oh, wow. of producing energy. I've heard that too. I've heard that like uh, once they they found, I don't know if it was like honey or it was like some kind of berries or something like that, then it just sort of changed the entire process. Yeah, we evolved to be able to utilize glucose and carbohydrates and starches for energy. But the original way that our body uses energy is through ketones. And there's lots of evidence to, to, to prove this. Number one, it's the way the mitochondria uses Ketones a very clean way. It's neuroprotective. And also because even if you're lean, the amount of stored energy you have on your body in the form of fats and ketones is is within you know uh, 10 times more stored glycogen you could ever have from eating carbohydrates. So it makes sense, especially if you're you know, in evolutionary sense, uh, you know, walking around looking for food and you're trying to hunt something and you can't get anything. Your body's got 30,000 calories of stored you know, fat and ketones versus you could carb the fu- you could carb yourself to hell and you'll have maybe 6000 calories yeah. of stored glycogen totally makes sense isn't it interesting too like we we did bring up somewhat like cholesterol and how like anecdotally like you felt i don't know if it's because of the the protective cell uh, uh properties it brings but like how much stronger like you feel as as opposed to like extracting cholesterol from your diet yeah when yeah. you uh, no they they do this they've done a lot of studies that boosting your cholesterol intake will give you a short-term, a, a big strength boost, and it has a lot to do with the central nervous system. Um, but the body will start to try and regulate by producing less cholesterol. So when I do that, I'll bump my cholesterol intake. I'll have some strength gains mm-hmm. for about three, four weeks. Yeah, and I then it, that too. And then it'll start to taper off a little bit. And so, um, But it's pretty interesting. So if you want a little quick boost in strength and you're in good health, you don't have issues with producing cholesterol, which most of us don't, um, uh, yeah, try eating 800 gram, you know, milligrams of cholesterol a day or 1,000 milligrams of cholesterol a day for you know, five days in a row and watch what happens to your strength. It's pretty well, awesome. One of the things that people are, are so concerned about when they see it or read it, I, I hear, is that 
you know, oh, if I'm going to be eating all this fat, it's going to clog my arteries. And, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen from that? All the adverse effects of. That's true. That's going to be the first reaction people will probably give is like, oh, my God, because that's that's like the, the staple thing that's been pounded in our head. Well, here's the deal. Um, first and foremost, uh, it's not fat that is causing that to happen. It's inflammation within the arteries. Mm-hmm. Um, sugars and carbohydrates uh, raise triglyceride levels uh, more than fats do. Um, and when you look at cholesterol, we've looked at cholesterol, blood cholesterol, I should say. And we've broken it up into two categories, right? Your 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 high density lipids and your low density lipids, and one is good and one is bad. But the truth is, it's not that black and white. In fact, your low density lipids are the bad cholesterols. You can actually break up into subcategories. And for example, saturated fat. If I eat a diet that's high in natural saturated fats, um, like coconut oil or even from you know uh, grass fed meats like beef or whatnot. Um, it will raise my total cholesterol numbers. It will raise my good cholesterol, but it also raises my quote unquote bad cholesterol. But when you look deeper, the, the LDL cholesterol that it raises are actually, uh, it changes the particles from the smaller, more dense, uh, or, or more inflammatory type particles to the bigger, fluffier type of LDL particles that actually don't have a negative effect. So although the total number raises, if you look closer and they're doing now, there are blood tests now that will look at more specifics. They'll find that. Your cholesterol number is higher, but you're not at any greater risk. If anything, you have a more protective effect mm. from well, consuming. Well, this uh, this is all correlated to why the American Heart Association had to come back way back, or just what last year when they first had to come back mm-hmm. and say that dietary cholesterol it no longer. I mean, it's we're it's talking about splitting hairs on what effect it actually truly has on your your blood cholesterol levels in it from an adverse effect. Sure, it, it'll show that it spikes up, but what we're finding out that you know some of that is actually a good spike and mm-hmm. not necessarily a bad spike. And so they had to come back out. Well, that was a year ago, right? It was a year ago when we announced that, I believe, when, when that first came out? Yeah, they said now that uh, dietary cholesterol is actually no longer a nutrient of concern for overconsumption. Mm-hmm. So what that means is you can eat it. You, you eat it and it's not going to do anything. The thing is, uh, we've, known this about, we've known about this for a while now. It takes the FDA um, and you know, our, some of our government agencies a long time before they change their uh, position yeah. on things because it's a big ship. Mm-hmm. And a big ship takes a long time to turn. Oh, it's money, man. It affects everyone's pockets. Yeah. That's why. It's the reason yeah. why we talk so much well, shit about- Cholesterol pills. So and- much shit about IFYM and and, uh, and your artificial sweeteners and you know all the studies. Of course, all the studies are still at that because this ship is barely starting to turn. I mean- Oh, I mean, if you go into the doctor's office and they're still going to look for your cholesterol levels. I mean, that's a high priority for them. Uh, in order to show you a metric of something that they can visibly show that it's decreasing. But is that necessarily like what we're trying to achieve? Like, is that a marker for health that we should be concerned with? No, as a matter of fact, if you look at people that live the longest, they actually have higher cholesterol. This is a fact. This is a, if you're listening That's right crazy. now, if you're listening right now and you don't believe me, look it up. People who live the longest tend to have higher cholesterol levels. Cholesterol, especially when it's a good balance, has a very protective effect on the body and also helps fight infection. Low cholesterol levels are connected to uh, depression, anxiety, suicide. Um, uh, they're, They're connected to mental illness and they're connected to higher rates of infection. So if you have a higher cholesterol level, uh, but they're they're the good you know good ratios, um, you're not going to have a higher risk for heart disease, but you'll have a higher uh, uh, rate of uh, fighting disease or a better rate rate of fighting infection, which happens to be uh, one of the not top killers of the elderly. You know, as you get older, once you get past a certain age, you know, old people once past the, past eighty, they die from things like falling down, breaking a hip, getting an infection, getting mm-hmm. pneumonia. Mm-hmm. 
So having those higher cholesterol levels helps. And high cholesterol levels, a good cholesterol, but higher cholesterol levels is also cl- uh, closely tied to better cognitive fu- function. The brain is made up of fats and cholesterols. In fact, evolutionary scientists will tell you that uh, one, of the, one of the number one reasons why humans uh, probably have almost always ate meat uh, was because uh, it, we wouldn't evolved, have evolved these big brains mm-hmm. had we not consumed uh, all these animal fats. This is another point that gets overlooked a lot of times when we're trying to be so concerned with inflammation by extracting red meats and these meats out of our diet. Uh, whereas, like you said, like we've evolved uh, to greater the the size of our our brain by eating meats. It's it's actually this is a fact again that uh, ketones have a natural anti-inflammatory effects and they're neuroprotective. This is an absolute fact. You cannot debate this. It is a fact in science. Uh, people with Alzheimer's and dementia, it is actually considered a novel treatment for them to put them on a ketogenic diet. If you take someone with Alzheimer's and you have them remove their carbohydrates and replace it with healthy fats, you will have, a, you will have better cognitive function. In mm. fact... Alzheimer's itself, which is uh, you know dementia, but much worse, right? It's it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's related to it, um, has been called by some researchers as type three diabetes. Yeah, I was going to say diabetes. That that was a shock to me. Yeah, it's a, it, they're, they're showing it's the brain's inability. You can have insulin resistance in the brain and nowhere else. So you could have fine uh, the way your, your muscles use insulin, everything else. So they'll test you and find that oh you don't have type two diabetes, but the way your brain uses uh, insulin. It'll be insulin resistant, and that they believe is what Alzheimer's actually is. Mm. And so, when you take yourself from eating all these grains and carbohydrates and eat more <clears throat> more fats, you eliminate that problem. Just like you get someone who's got diabetes, and you do the same thing, and it, and it helps. Them well, out. And, and I'm sure too with the genetic factors. If you're contributing to that, uh, you know, it, it might spark that to to occur more. More likely, if you're if you're you're flooding your body with like these carbohydrates and uh, inflammation. Well, well, here's the agents. deal: if you your your body has a very limited process to store, uh, excuse me, a, a very limited ability to store carbohydrates, um, uh, and the liver has a limited ability to process carbohydrates, in in particular fructose. So it's easier to overeat carbohydrates and have negative effects than it is to overeat uh, fats or proteins. Uh, overeating fats or proteins uh, are not going to cause uh, as dramatic of negative effects on the body as overeating carbohydrates. So, um, and it, why? Because uh, let's be honest, uh, in nature, carbohydrates are relatively rare. Where, where would you, right now, if we were hunter-gatherers, okay, mm-hmm. and we live in California with nice weather and shit grows all over the place. If we were, uh, if we were uh, hunter-gatherers right now, walking around foraging for food and hunting, how often do you think we'd come upon a natural orange tree or a natural yeah. fruits and vegetables yeah. that are growing. And think uh, about the tribe that's protecting that, right? If they found that resource, like, come on. Right. It's, it's not going to be readily available. Right. It's it's an, it's it's not something that is uh, uh, naturally occurring in nature in a very um, available, quickly, you know, it's available everywhere. It's just not. So it's likely that we probably ran off of fats uh, and proteins a lot of times. And then when we find carbohydrates in nature, we overate the hell out of them. And why would the body want you to overeat these carbohydrates in nature? Because foods that naturally contain carbohydrates also tend to, in nature, contain certain nutrients Mm -hmm. and vitamins, which are very important, like vitamin C. 
Right. Vitamin C is found a lot in uh in you know fructose containing foods like fruit. And it's kind of hard, it's harder to find vitamin C although you can synthesize vitamin C to an extent, but it's harder to find vitamin C um in, you know, animal sources, right? But then again, you know, we we talked about this in our sugar episode where uh, you know, that's paired with fiber. Like, so you, you also get the nutrients, like eating this fruit as a whole. And it's the sugar content is way less than what we have, like, that's so readily available today uh, in various forms. So, you know, you're talking about breads, even you're talking about pastas, you're talking about uh, all these processed ways that we uh, change this into glucose. Like, uh, it, it's very easy for us to overconsume, right? Well, especially when you're talking about things like berries. Cause I mean, the, the ratio of the calories and carbohydrates and sugar to the fiber that you're getting from it, it almost negates it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's to me that, uh, you know, I want you to explain to people because I know there's people listening right now that, um, they're like, okay, wait a second. I know that I've read studies 10 years ago in the last five years, maybe even that, you know, against butter and against red meat and all these things and, and all the, the heart conditions that have came from that and stuff, you know, explain to people why and what's wrong, what was wrong with those studies and what, what it was as far as like, you know, probably 99% of those, those people are living in a surplus of calories. And that's really what well, is. The, the fat hypothesis, uh, was, uh, came out in, and I can't remember the scientist's name for the, for the life of me. I want to say his name is Ansel Keys. I don't remember. Is that his name? Ansel Keys? He, uh, he took a survey of 22 countries and he looked at their eating habits and he identified six or seven of them as having higher rates of heart disease uh, and he said it's because they eat more fat in their diet. Now, here's the problem. He completely, and by the way, this guy won a Nobel Peace Prize for it. He was on the cover of Time Magazine and I hate to say this, more often than not, scientists are not like this, but a lot of scientists want, they want to, you know, recognition. And mm-hmm. I think that's what he was after. And we know this now because when you look at all 22 countries and you put them on a graph, there is zero correlation to fat intake and death. What he did is he picked the six countries that would, that made sense to put into his theory and he cherry picked them and said, here they, here you go. Here's your evidence. More fat equals heart disease. This is now false. There is no correlation. New science shows there is no correlation to fat intake or saturated fat intake to uh, heart disease and death. No correlation whatsoever. So that's that's where that started. But then there's other so misleading, super misleading. Um, And of course, uh, public policy then was uh, you know modeled after that, and we pushed the food pyramid, which is grain heavy, (laughs) which is heavy in grains. Whom I wonder, I wonder who wanted that to go through. Ironic, ironically, through our school yeah. systems, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you had other studies on cholesterol where they would take animals like rabbits and they'd force feed them a shit ton of cholesterol and the rabbits died and they had all these heart mm-hmm. problems. Rabbits don't have a regulatory system like ours uh, in terms of how they manip- how their bodies can regulate cholesterol. Like I, if I eat a lot of cholesterol, my liver makes less of it. Mm-hmm. If I eat a little bit of cholesterol, my liver makes more of it. This is why your cholesterol levels, total numbers... A lot of it's generally genetic. This is why they say, mm-hmm. you know, you can have someone very healthy, very fit, higher cholesterol level. And that's why we break it down into like good cholesterol, bad cholesterol, and then break them up into subcategories now. But uh, that's where a lot of these studies were based on. You have studies now showing, or you've seen articles recently saying uh, red meat linked to um, increased risk of cancer. cancer. Uh-huh. They don't... Uh, they, it's it's like it's as if red meat was just this category, and everything that was made from red meat falls in that category. I mean, I could eat freaking 
I could eat a high, you know, uh, meat from a cow that ate grains only and it was unhealthy. And I, I take it and I process the shit out of it and turn it to, into sausage or something like that. Or I make it into a, 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 some kind of a snack that it's in a package. And that counts as red meat. Mm-hmm. That's not the same. That's not, you can't put that all together. Salami. No. Salami is considered red meat. Now, salami is highly processed yeah. and probably has all kinds of other shit in it. That- I really wish they had like this, this very blanketed uh, category where you could take uh, the quality of, you know, all those factors. Like if there was a way that if somebody did this like extensive work, um, and I know that they've done some kind of like nutrient quality, like they, they've tried to like make metrics out of this. Right. So even Whole Foods has adopted this sort of nutrient sort of count as far as like what scores the best. Um, however, the, those are those are the factors that like there, there's all these policies in place that uh, limit information to the consumer. And so this is why it's so frustrating for people to understand that um, they don't really understand what is quality and what is not other than uh, a branding label saying it's organic or like this new information that people even want to pay attention to that. Uh, but all these factors, they contribute to uh, the overall quality of what you're consuming. So. Well, I would say uh, probably the last people you should listen to when deciding what's healthy. Is the people selling it? Well, that... Uh, <laughs> and, 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 it's your first red flag. And, 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 it's, and the government. The government is mm. the last. They have now been shown to have made some horrible recommendations. It, when I was kid, when we were kids, you they're know, so biased because of corn and wheat, dude. Well, it's, so, but just from those two things it's alone, it's money, man. What is that? It's a billion dollar industry, right? Oh, okay. So you're it's the ta- easiest to produce. Are you kidding me? Like corn and wheat have so much power. Um, the the bio the 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 you know the companies that genetically modified corn, mm-hmm. soy. Huge power. You're talking about companies that were. You're, by, about, you're talking about companies that put presidents in presidency, bro. That's what you're yeah, talking about, bro. Yeah. That ta- kind of power. Your your tax dollars every go to pay these companies, so they're mm-hmm. making money no matter what. They uh, they these are the makers of. I'm not going to name names, but some of these big, huge biomedical companies that make you know GMOs uh, were also the makers of Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. That was the fucking chemical that we sprayed all over the jungles of Vietnam and all these soldiers came back with cancer and shit. They made DDT. They are they're in the business of of doing this kind of shit. They made they made GMO crops not to sell or feed people, but to sell more of their uh glyphos- uh glyphosate uh you know uh, uh chemicals mm-hmm. which are herbicides. Mm-hmm. So they make an herb they make a plant that can withstand a shit ton of the herbicides. And then they sell you the plant so that you have to buy the herbicide. And yeah. bingo, and they're brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, they're brilliant because then they also control the seed. So the, the you know the seed that's the GMO specific, like they can actually uh, uh, like farmers have to buy that in order to you know withstand like the seasons and all these types of things. That's how they sell it, bro. Like, I'll tell you something right now. This is this is the, this thing makes me so fucking angry. Um, I'm all for. I'm always all for uh, the market. I'm always for let the consumer decide what's best for them. Okay. However, I am never. I never support when we're being misinformed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when you're misinforming the consumer and they're making a decision based on that misinformation, then fuck you. I don't like you anymore. So here's here's what irritates me about GMOs. Uh, GMO companies came out with corn, uh, which is a genetically modified crop. So they take, and it's not modified in the breed, the way we breed them before. It's so not like, selective breeding. No, they took they took a gene from uh, you know a bacteria or whatever, literally, and they inserted it into corn to make it withstand 
uh, high doses of herbicide so that you could spray it with this weed killer and it won't die. Mm-hmm. Some of these corn, by some of these crops, by the way, are genetically engineered to produce their own uh, uh, weed killer or, or insect killer. So an insect will eat it and there's a natural insecticide <laughs> that is created. And the insect will die. In the fucking And we food. think eating that's not going to do anything to us. <laughs> Bro, that's in it's your so food. You'll stupid. eat it and you're eating this insecticide that the plant is producing. This yeah. is no joke. Yeah. So anyway, they produce this thing. They make this, this plant. And of course, nobody's going to buy it. Like nobody's going to buy you know, genetically modified corn if they put that on the market. Everybody's like, I'm not going to buy that shit. They knew this. So like, how are we going to sell this product? Well, first of all, we need to, uh, we, we need to be able to call it corn so that nobody knows the difference. Oh, but we still want to patent it. Mm. So when you patent something, as you guys know, you patent your iPhone or whatever, you make a product, you patent it. You have to, you, you patent it. Nobody can make that same exact copy. Right. Okay. They wanted to patent a product, but they wanted to call it corn. They wanted to call it by its natural counterpart's name. So now I'm competing against the organic farmer who grows organic corn. Mine is GMO corn, but we're not going to tell the consumer. We're just going to call it corn. So they 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 went to court and uh, the 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 basically they said uh, you know the the other farmer said you can't call this corn because it's a patented product. It's your product, so you can't patent this product. So they went all the way to the Supreme Court. Can we patent our corn? The deciding, uh, the deciding vote went to one of the Supreme Court justices who just so happened to prior have a career as an executive for yeah. one of these very large GMO companies. <laughs> and it passed. Dude, ideas like that would never, like you, you'd never be allowed a patent for that because it's, it's, a, it's a resource that anybody has a, available. Uh, yeah, right. Well, you know, well, it's what? just like water and, and air and dirt and, you know, fuck off. I don't, I don't mind them patenting it. I just mind them calling it corn. It's your product that you created. Fine. You no, can that's what it. I mean. Yeah. They call it corn because it's, it, it's assuming that like to the consumer, right. they're like, yeah, okay, it's corn. No, it's not corn. It's something else. Right. So now you have, uh, in a very short period of time, from the mid-90s to now, it went from zero uh, market penetration to, to 85%. 85% of processed uh, foods contain some type of GMO in them. So, um, you know, and, and, and this actually goes right into the keto discussion because people talk a lot about, oh, meat is so processed and, you know, the animals are pumped full of this and that. Your fucking vegetables are too, my friend. Yeah. You got to make wise News decisions. Flash. You got to make very wise decisions with your food, whether you choose to eat, you know, vegan or you eat carbohydrates or you're eating keto. Uh, the Just because it says beef or corn or wheat or whatever uh, doesn't mean it's necessarily giving you the good benefits of those things. Look and see where your feet, how your food is made, uh, what your food eats, how your food lives. All this stuff, uh, you know, impacts. Um, where did goes. where did where did we get the idea that whole wheat was good for you? When did when did that? <laughs> when, I don't know. I actually someone was talking. No, to me I know day. that's still branded today. It, oh, dude, I yeah. was li- so I was talking to somebody and they they came up to me. And they were they're telling me like, hey, you know, I'm been trying to lose weight and I'm doing this and I eat really good. And I said, well, you know, give me an idea of your day. Well, and they're, and they're explaining and, and they're justifying their foods and they're talking about, well, I eat really good. I, when I eat yeah. my sandwich, from white bread, the whole wheat. Yeah, exactly. That's what, exactly <laughs> what the, she said. She says, you know, well, I eat, a, I eat a lot of whole wheat bread, you know, and then I'm like, I just kind of chuckled. Like, where did that come from? Where did we, where did Marketing, we, man. I know. Right. I, but do you remember, do you guys remember? 
The whole wheat can be just as processed as the freaking white oh, yeah. white stuff. If you get like sprouted, you know, grains yeah, sprouted and stuff grains. like that, then it's a little bit better. Low on, Miss some the, of the flour. Yeah. Um, inflammatory flour maybe, but I mean. You're, you're going to get like more nutrients. It might, you know, it's going to be better for you on the glycemic index maybe. It tastes a lot more like cardboard, but, so I, you got that going for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're still, you know, you're still, it's better than, that's what it is basically. So yeah. it's better than what it was it's before. It's the top of the shit pile. Right, but there it's not yeah. it's not great. I think uh, grains should, for the most part, should not be um, the predominant uh, you know t- thing that's in your in your in your food intake. I don't I just don't believe it at all. Um, there are cultures that might eat. Well, it's not uh, necessary. No, I mean it, nothing. That's just how I I think it's what's. And I, I, I this is the first time I ever heard uh, what you said earlier about um, that. There's uh, people that believe that we 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 started or we evolved with without even really eating carbohydrates as a primary source of fuel. And we've now evolved into making that because of everything. Mm-hmm. So to me, that makes a lot of sense because I feel like there's so many adverse effects from overconsumption on carbohydrates and the need for it. It's not, it's non-essential. It's the one it's, it's the one. And it's funny because all these diets, even the diets that we were trained as trainers to teach somebody was a 65% carbohydrate intake. That's what we, yeah. every diet I ever wrote for a client for the first 10 years of my career was a carb heavy diet. And never once did I stop to really think to question that like why why would a, a non-essential macronutrient make its way into being the predominant one that we consume for overall well, health? You know doesn't, that seem, yeah. doesn't that seem backwards in itself? We, we were all scared to go too straight too far away from the RDA, right? right? Because that's like the I mean if you do that then you're starting to look at people that look at you like you're some kind of weird, you know, off you're going off the rails, you know, like we have a standard that, that we try and promote here. And then this is what science is already telling us. And so it's like, I mean, what's logical for us, uh, is, is shunned, you know, and in the, in the nutrition community is going to come after us. Well, you got to ask yourself now, where does the RDA come from? Mm-hmm. You know, where, where, where is that derived from originally? Well, it, I mean, they derive it from some science and then of course there's lobbying that goes in there. And so, um, and and if they're only going to be as good as their information. Even if you eliminate the lobbying, it's going to be these the studies that they're going to use uh, to base their decisions off of. But you got to look at the studies and look a little bit deeper um, and look and see is their information correct. Here's all the evidence you need. Okay, uh, we have spent now since the since the fat hypothesis came out in the it started getting kind of popular in the 60s and 70s and then 80s. It really took off. Right, low fat, low fat. That uh, we've spent as a country billions and hundreds of billions of dollars on educating the public of having on having a low fat, low saturated fat, low cholesterol diet. Okay, so this is shit tons of money have gone into this. Shit tons of money gone into schools educating this as kids. Uh, all the marketers followed suit. They saw that the government was spending all this money on this. So food marketers, low fat, low fat, low calorie, all the, all these products were coming out. Right, it. And Americans changed how they ate. And what has happened since then? Very obese. Obesity has gone up. Uh, rates of autoimmune diseases have diabetes, exploded. Yeah. Uh, diabetes went from being uh, adult onset diabetes to type 2 diabetes because kids get it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we've got uh, you know, intolerances. heart- Intolerances. Intolerances. Uh, food, uh, food intolerances exploded. Allergies, all kinds of stuff. Uh, a heart disease has gone through the roof. Yeah. Uh, they call it now the Western diet dilemma where developed countries will try to adopt our diet because they'll eat our processed foods and they'll all fucking right. they'll all get fat and and get sick as well. We've done a great job of treating 
uh, acute uh, illnesses, and now we've developed all these chronic illnesses that we have no no handle or control. It's scary on. to think that you could see like a, a a partnership there with the medical community and how they prescribe uh, these illnesses that you come in to go see, and, and the money and the the machine that has been created as a result of these ailments, right? Uh, based off of like our diet alone. It's 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 uh, it's alarming to me. It's scary and it's uh, it's mind blowing. Um, and, and, and you know, kids, man, kids suffer the most. Schools, public schools. Here's the deal. This is why uh, I think um, one of the reasons why I think it's a, it's scary to have a monopoly on anything. And public schools is a monopoly. The government uh, runs them all. Is because when government makes a mistake, it's a big fucking mistake. Mm-hmm. And the schools now have been talking about this and pushing this for a long time, reducing physical activity in school, doing lots of different stuff. And uh, right. childhood obesity has been the biggest travesty of all of this, is childhood obesity. When I was a kid, and this isn't good, I'm not using this as a great example, but when I was a kid, if you were overweight, you stood out. Yeah. You know, you were the fat kid. I could which was literally bad. count like under like maybe two to three, you know, kids, unfortunately. That was the truth. Right. You know, that, that had... Some kind of an obesity, dude. Have you issue. driven by a high school when it goes out when when kids are out and they're walking home and shit nowadays? Yeah, all like all of them yeah. overweight, all of them you know uh, poor health. How's that going to be as they get older? Well, you know you notice that when you go to other countries, like when you go to like Europe or something, you walk around and you see it's it's very very rare to see somebody who is obese. You know, and it's even it's just as rare too to even see someone who's really overweight, 30 pounds, you know, overweight. Most people are pretty fit and thin for the most part. And you don't really realize that till you go somewhere like that for a week or two and you and you get, uh, you know, acclimated to where you're at and the people in your surroundings. And then you come back home and then it kind of stands out because you're just so used to it. You're used to yeah. it. you walk in the grocery store, you're in line, the five or you five, go to a theme park. Right. Oh, my God. Sit on a bench, go to a theme park. And people watch. Oh my god! Yeah, and and five alarming. Out of, five out of the you know six people that will walk by you are are overweight, and out of those five, at least two or three are obese. Out mm-hmm. of that, and so it's just normal. It's normal to see that they're normal. We, it's this, and even like the way you started to introduce that, you started to introduce it as this, you know, um, trying to be politically correct because we don't want to say fat people, or we don't want to say obese. Like everyone's, we've gotten to the point now where we're so. Uh, oversensitive. Everyone's oversensitive to even bring that right. up or talk about it's it. Very like, care- yeah, you know, calculated. Yeah, you got to be. You got to be all careful about that when it's like, no, there's a bigger fucking problem here yeah. than your emotions and your feelings about this. Like, we're getting fat. We're getting uh, obese. It's as, not as a, a shaming country. issue. It's it's a concern for health. Yeah, no, I'll tell you, know? you right now, hundred percent. I'll put my money on this all day long. That the obesity epidemic. Uh, definitely people are less active. There's definitely a lot of factors, but the major player is the overconsumption of refined carbohydrates, period, end of story. That is the major player in the obesity epidemic mm-hmm. in America and in and in developed Western nations. And it's starting, you talked about Europe. Europe, although they're better off than we are, they're starting to follow suit. You look at Mexico. Mexico did not have an obesity problem 30 years ago. Today, Mexico now, I believe, has surpassed America uh, in terms of childhood obesity. And it's when we introduced freaking soda. Yeah. Soda's introduced oh into, into Mexico, and Mex and in Mexico, Mexican soda is <laughs> sweet, yeah. and and they and they make it a part of their like that's what they drink with dinner. It's like it's become something a part of their culture now. And the obesity epidemic in Mexico has taken ridiculous. Uh, it's reaching a ridiculous <coughs> epidemic. You made an interesting point, Adam. You said that, and I think we should talk about this. That carbohydrates are not essential, and people are like, "Well, what do you mean they're not essential?" 
it, your body, you need essential means if you don't get it, you'll die. Mm-hmm. If you don't get protein, you will die. If you don't get fat, you will die. If you don't get carbohydrates, you'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. you won't you won't die yeah. um and i'm not saying eliminate your carbohydrates again uh mm-hmm. you know you might do better eating more carbs whatever but the point is if your body evolved to the point where the only essential things it needs to survive come from fats and proteins then doesn't it make sense that carbohydrates are probably the, the macronutrient on the totem pole they should probably yeah. be the lowest on the That's total. That's what I was saying. I feel like that just, it's so backwards thinking that forever right. we've prescribed, you know, a 65% carbohydrate intake when in reality it's the, it's the least essential or at all out of all the macronutrients. It's like, why? That doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. No. And if, and if you're, if you're thinking about trying this type of diet out, um, again, it's not for everybody, but if you do it, you got to make sure you get enough fats in your diet and you're, so you have to, and you don't want to eat a ton of protein, you know, aim for like 0.5 to 0.7 grams per pound of body weight, which is still high. Eat a lot of fats. And this is what you'll probably find. Uh, you'll be strong in the gym. I, for, I'll speak for myself. I still get great pumps in the past. When I cut my carbs, I'd be flat. I wouldn't get good pumps. It's because my fat intake wasn't high enough. I work on out. Performance is excellent. Uh, I'm strong. I got lots of stamina, great pumps, so do it right if you're going to test it to see if it's for you. Because if you do it wrong, I guarantee you're going to feel like shit. Well, I feel like too. It's important that I point out that, um, and this is completely anecdotal. I don't, I don't have studies to back this up or anything. But what I know, I felt when I was um, not getting enough fat and I was still getting a little bit of carbohydrates. So if you, it's like there's there is a sweet spot for your body, and everybody's going to be a little bit different, and you have to find that. For for me, when I wasn't hitting that sweet spot where I wasn't getting enough fat. And uh, and keeping my protein down, what was happening to me is I was getting headaches. I was getting headaches. I was I was tired. I didn't feel good. And I was like, oh, this isn't for me whatsoever. But then there was a part of me that goes like, okay, wait a second. There's two things I have to take into consideration. One, I've trained my body for many, many years to have 400 grams of carbs or more. And so all of a sudden I'm going under 50 grams. So this is new. Now I have to teach my body to use a different source, which all everything you read, they'll tell you that it doesn't take... Uh, they say it takes, you know, it could take up to seven to 10 days for your body to fully acclimate, but it's really not. I have actually read more studies after we first talked about this, that they say within a day, you'll, you'll get into ketosis within a day, you'll get into ketosis and that happening. Now getting used to that process may take seven or seven to 10 days or so for the body. But if you're kind of floating back, you're not, you're not hitting right where you need to be or getting enough fats. I feel like, um, what my body felt like like it was confused on where it should get its primary source of fuel. I'm not quite giving it enough fat, so it's not really getting it where where it wants to from there. I'm not giving it quite enough uh, carbohydrates, so it's not getting enough glucose. Because it's harder for the body to break down protein and turn that into fuel. Right. right? Yeah. So that's harder. So you got to think of it in those terms. Like, you know, what... What the body's going to process, and then uh, you know it processes fats well. You know it, it, the the mechanics are are in place for that to happen, and uh, so yeah, so that's that's why the fat has to be more of the priority as the fuel source, and then you know proteins to back that up and replenish and, and uh, cells and rebuild. Beautiful. Yep. Uh, check us out at mindpumpmedia.com. We have some uh, incredible video testimonials that unsolicited people have just been posting them. Real uh, people, real results from some of our programs and uh, what people have gotten out of Mind Pump. And check us out on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam. And you can find Doug at Mind Pump Doug. Um, thanks for listening. The leave a five master. star. Leave a five star rating and review on iTunes. Eat your fats. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. 
For more information about this show and to get valuable free resources from Sal, Adam, and Justin, visit us at www.mindpumpradio.com. Until next time, this is Mind Pump.